Man, it's good to see you guys' faces. Feels like it's been forever. Last week I got knocked out with the flu, and Bill made the mistake of offering to teach for me on Saturday night. <laughs> so I said, let me pray about it. Okay, yes. Uh, that'd be great. Uh, and then two weeks ago, my buddy Jake Brower came and uh, taught, and, and uh, man, I gotta tell you, I love, I love like, getting out and seeing like, the exp- different expressions of the movement of Jesus elsewhere. And uh, I'm a big believer that, that we need all different kinds of churches to reach all different kinds of people. And so I love just like getting out and getting to see what other communities of faith are doing in their cities. Um, but that being said, like, every time I'm gone, I just can't wait to get back. Uh, you guys have ruined me for life. I hope you know. I don't think I'd ever be fully content anywhere else. So heads up, I'm sticking around for a while. I hope that's cool. Um, so it's good to be back. And uh, if you're a guest and you've come in the last couple of weeks and you're wondering who the heck I am, uh, I'm Aaron. <laughs> I'm part of, part of this community, and uh, and we're pumped that you're here. We really are. Last week we started a brand new teaching series uh, called "People of the Second Chance," and the truth is, uh, every single one of us, every day, uh, is living on a second chance. Every time breath enters your lungs, you take a deep breath. It's a second chance given you by God, and maybe you've never thought about it that way. Uh, but we believe it is. It's a second chance that, that you never earned and you never will earn. It's a second chance that you don't deserve uh, most days. Uh, but it's a second chance that's offered to you in Jesus. And it's a second chance that he offers us in the gospel. And so in this series, we're actually going to be going, uh, journeying together through uh, one of the letters that's in, that's in the Bible called Galatians. And we're going to be talking a lot about Jesus and we're going to talk, be talking a lot about the the gospel. And, and if you've ever been like around church, the church world for a while, whether it's Mosaic uh, or another church, um, oftentimes when Christians think about the gospel, uh, it's like, oh yeah, yeah, I got that like a long time ago. You know, it's like that's like the ABCs of faith, like where you start and then like you kind of graduate on to like Greek and Hebrew and complacency, apparently. Um, but that's like where you start. Like that's the milk. You know, when you're, when you're a baby, a spiritual baby, and you don't have teeth, and you can't walk, you, you start on it. But then as you get older, right, you get into the meat, the deep stuff, the heavy stuff, all that other stuff. Um, but the truth is, uh, as we're going to see as we open up the scriptures, uh, that the book of Galatians is interesting. It, it's, it's all about the gospel from start to finish. It is all about the gospel. It is all about grace. But it's not written to non-Christians. Uh, it's not written to skeptics and doubters. Uh, it's actually addressed to believers. And as we're going to find, uh, it is just so easy to stray from the essential, core, unadulterated grace of Jesus Christ. And when we do, uh, it jacks everything up. But it happens all the time. And so, you know, just as an example, so this last year I had a couple guys swing by my house. Uh, They were carrying very thick, heavy Bibles. Uh, They didn't know me from Adam. They had no idea who I was. You know, I'm just another door. Uh, But they came and knocked on my front door. I was super thrilled about because I love it when people come to my front door in the evening when I'm with my family. Um, but they knocked, knocked on the door and I went to the front door, answered it, and they said, Hey, we're from such and such church here in Lincoln and uh, we have a question we want to ask you. So I said, Shoot, whatever, go for it. And they said, Well, if you were to die today and you were to stand before God and he were to meet you wherever and, and say, Hey, why should I let you into my heaven? Uh, what would you say? And I thought it was kind of a weird question because God is like on the defensive, you know, like he's playing goalie. 
uh, of heaven. Why should I let you in? Um, so it's a strange question to begin with, but I, know, I got what they were getting at. And, and so I said, look, honestly, if I'm standing before God today and I die, and he asks me, why should he let me into heaven? I'm going to tell him, uh, there is nothing about me that should let me, you should let me in there. Um, I am a mess. Uh, if you're going to let me in there, it should only be not because of anything I've done, but because of what Jesus has done on the cross for me. Um, that's it. And they were like super pumped. They're like, that's correct. Uh, <laughs> like, I don't, I don't think they get that very often, you know? Um, so I thought like I just fully satisfied him at that point. I was like, you know, it's, thanks for what you guys are trying to do. You know, I know it's not very popular uh, to go door to door these days. Um, but thanks for what you're trying to do. I know it's, it's not easy work. Um, and I tried to kind of like brush them off. I want to get back to my family. What I didn't realize was they, they weren't done. They had like an addendum to the, the, the question. And they said, okay, well, we got one more question though for you. They said, do you, do you read your Bible every day? Now, in retrospect... I didn't answer the question correctly um, because I, well, I realize now that I wasn't supposed to be honest. Like, the correct answer was yes, I do. Every day. Never miss a day. Um, but that's not what I said. I, I, you know, I, I said, uh, no, I don't. Um, and it's not that I don't believe in reading the Bible every day. Like, I, that's a good thing, for sure. Uh, but if I'm really honest, that's just one of the many things that I fail at. Um, it just doesn't happen every day. And they jumped on me like two dogs on a T-bone. Like they were just all up in my business. And, and I was really confused because I thought I'd answer the question correctly. You know, I was like, hold on. I, was, I, thought, I thought the whole point, though, like, is grace. You know, not, not what, anything that I do. Like just, it, it's grace. It's what Jesus has done. And uh, they weren't okay with that. They weren't okay with that, which was really disconcerting because it's like, man, if you only knew what's in here, you know what I mean? Like not reading my Bible every day is like, should be the least of your concerns. Uh, there's a lot of darkness in here, you know, like I'm a, I'm a messed up guy on my own, but they would not let it go. They would not let it go. They just had at me until finally I just had to be like, all right, I'm going to go be with my family now, you know, peace. Right. But the, but the message that they were sharing, like it was so subtle, right? Because Who's going to argue with reading your Bible every day? That that's a, a bad thing, right? We, don't, we probably would all, most of us anyway, agree that that's generally a good thing to shoot for. But the very subtle message was, now if you want to be okay with God, it's not just grace. It's grace and. Right? It's grace and, if you really want to be okay with God, it's grace in reading your Bible every day. Now I'm going to venture to guess that if you're normal, um, you've probably heard a number of variations of what we might call a grace and message. Right? Maybe you grew up in a tradition, uh, maybe you grew up in church, and it was a part of a church tradition that taught, you know what, if you're really going to be okay with God, it's grace and being baptized. Right? Or, or maybe you grew up in a more of a charismatic background, and what you were told is, no, it's grace and speaking in tongues. That, that's how you know that you're okay with God. That's how you get there. Right? Or maybe you grew up Roman Catholic, and it was, it was grace and going to Mass every week. That, that's how you get right with God. Right? Or maybe you grew up in more of like a liberal, kind of mainline denomination background. Um, and maybe your church tradition or your particular local church taught that, you know, it, it's grace and it's social justice. Right? It's grace to be okay with God. It's grace and serving the poor. You know, or maybe it was more of a fundamentalist background, and what you were told is, no, it's, it's grace and avoiding these big sins, this list here. 
right? Or maybe it was more of like an evangelical tradition, like the couple guys that, that, that visited my front door. And what you were told to be right with God, really be right with God, is grace and, you know, the daily devotional time. Right? It comes in many shapes and forms and sizes. But the message is the same. That, that, that grace on its own is not enough. It's not enough. In order to really be okay with God, you need these other things. All right? And, and honestly, this is, a, this is a pressing question for us. This is very, very important. And, and part of what makes it so confusing is all these things are good things, right? I mean, who would argue with wanting to be a part of a faith community and, and being there every week, or reading your Bible, or, or praying, or being baptized, or serving the poor? Right? These are really, really good things. Right? But, but here's the thing. I know something about you. Right, if you grew up in a tradition and what you were being peddled and pushed along the way was that it's grace and anything, I'd be willing to bet money that along the way you've experienced some things. Right, try this one. What confusion? Right, why is this so hard? Why does God feel so distant, so far away? Right, why am I not changing like I think I should be changing? Right, why, why am I not happy? Right, why am I not experiencing the abundant life that Jesus talked about and Christians talk about and apparently other people are experiencing? Why am I not experiencing that? Right, confusion. Or how about this one? Guilt. Right, man, I, I should be a lot further along as a Christian than I am. I don't give enough. I'm not faithful enough. I don't pray enough. I don't read the Bible enough. I'm not good enough. I'm not a lot of things enough. Just this overwhelming sense. It just keeps coming back. Guilt, guilt, guilt. Or how about this one? How about shame? I cannot believe that I did that again. Right? If anybody knew what's in my closet, the skeletons that are there, uh, there's no way that they would accept me and allow me in. I'm so ashamed. Right? Everybody been there? <laughs> I've been there. Right? And what I want to submit to you this morning is that inevitably, when we add to grace and we adopt a grace and message in place of what Jesus actually taught, this is inevitably where we land. And honestly, this is actually, this is precisely the reason that the letter to the churches in Galatia was written. Right? Paul and Barnabas had been traveling and sharing, and what they had been preaching was a grace period message. Right? And they had been going throughout the province and saying, look, you've got to, you're not going to believe this, but God is accepting everybody. Right? Not just like the religious establishment, and not just the people that are really good at following all this list of, of do's and don'ts and Johnny Super Christian over here, whatever. Like, everybody. Thieves, strippers, prostitutes, right? manipulators, swindlers, all of them. They're like all getting in. God's doing this thing. Where through Jesus, he's offering grace to everybody. And, and what's happening is there's all these lives being changed. People are just surrendering. Right? If grace is an ocean, we're all sinking. And the, great, the waves of grace were slamming people to the ground. And they were coming alive. And churches were being planted. And so Paul and Barnabas were appointing local church, or local church leaders to these little communities of faith. And they moved on. And what ended up happening is as soon, almost as soon as they left, in a very short period of time, the religious establishment came in. And what they started sharing was like, Grace and. 
What they started sharing was like, yeah, you know what, Paul, that whole Jesus thing, that's great. It's great that you believe that. We can't deny it. These hundreds of witnesses, we're not even going to try to refute that. But it's not just grace. It's grace and these other things that, that we've been you know, recognizing in the Jewish faith for centuries. Things that on the outside look pretty good. Pretty honorable, noble things. It's grace and it's circumcision. It's grace and it's observing uh, the new moons and the festivals. It's grace and observing Sabbath. Right? That, that's the real story. Paul just didn't tell you the whole story. Right? And so Paul is writing uh, to refute this. Right? And so Paul writes, writes this letter. Uh, and, he's, and as we're going to see, he's really worked out. And in the, in the beginning of his letter, he's going to show us immediately what, what his subject is going to be. In fact, he can't even get out of his introduction without just stating the gospel. The gospel is everywhere. It's bursting forth in this letter. So beginning in verse 1, this is what it says. It says, Paul, an apostle sent not from a man or nor by a man, a man, but by Jesus Christ and God the Father, who raised him from the dead. Right? And all the brothers and sisters with me. To the churches of Galatia, grace and peace to you from God our Father and the Lord Jesus Christ, who gave himself for our sins to rescue us, right? And so immediately, he's stating the very nature of the gospel, right? He's saying, look, this is Paul to the, letter, to the churches in Galatia, right? Jesus Christ, who gave himself for our sins to rescue us. It's Jesus who was raised from the dead, right? And over the next four verses, he's going to use the word gospel no fewer than five times. It's just, just bursting out of him. He can't even get out of the introduction. He says, I'm, so, I'm astonished that you are turning to a different gospel, which is really no gospel at all. Evidently, some people are throwing you into confusion and trying to pervert the gospel of Christ. But even if we or an angel from heaven should preach a different gospel other than the one that we preach to you, let them be under God's curse. And as we've already said, so now I say it again, if anybody is preaching to you a gospel other than what you've accepted, that is a gospel of grace, period, then let them be under God's per- curse. Right? And so he is just bursting forth from the get-go, from beginning to end, as we're going to see in the letter to Galatia. The subject is clear. It is all about the gospel. And if you haven't picked up already, right, he is, he's really, like, riled up. And Paul is really upset. Now, we have a lot of letters from Paul in the Bible, and Paul is one of those guys that he's kind of a creature of habit, and he starts his letters all the same way. Right? Paul is what you call a greeter. Right? So when he was writing a letter, like he never just got right down to business. It was always like, hey, this is Paul. This is who I am. This is you. This is who you are. And then he says, man, I'm so pumped about what God's doing in your life. Right? I'm praying for you every day. Your reputation precedes you. It's so awesome. By the way, here's what I wrote to you about. Right? And so if you could text message, right? it, that's what it always would have been like. If you could text message those early churches, it would have been like, hey, AP here, Apostle Paul. So pumped about what God's doing in your life. Praying for you every day. Keep it up. Oh, by the way. Right? That's like how all of his stuff was. It was never like, yo, Paul here. Heard you're gossiping. WTF. You know, it was like, never. It's not Paul's style. He was a greeter. Right? How many people here are greeters, by the way? Like when you text, message, call, email. It's always you got away, personally connect. Okay, how many like unchristian just straight to business? Just, I'm going to say, okay. <laughs> a little bit of both. Well, Paul was a greeter. Always, in every letter that we have, except for this one. In this particular letter, there's no niceties. Like, there's no kind words trying to build bridges. He is, he is really distraught, like we don't see Paul distraught uh, anywhere else in his letters. And so he jumps right in. <clears throat> and he jumps in and, and he drops a bomb, right? Verse 6, he says this, basically, Dear Galatians, I am astonished that you are so quickly deserting the one so quickly deserting the one who called you to live, what? In the grace of Christ 
and you're turning to a different gospel, which is really no gospel at all. All right, these are, these are fighting words. Right, Paul's not pulling any punches. He says, look, I can't believe you're bailing on God. And they're like, whoa, how are we bailing on God? And you say, look, you have been called to live by what? To live in what? The grace of God. That's it. The grace of God. You didn't earn it. You didn't deserve it. There's no grace and. It is grace, period. That's where you're called to live. But you have been buying into this message of adding on all these other things as what is required for you to be right with God. Grace and. All these different things. And in the process, what you bought into, he says, it's not the same message anymore. He said it's a different gospel altogether. In fact, it's no gospel at all. What he's saying, I mean, he's being really, I mean... From, from, the get, like from the outside looking in, it's like, man, you're being kind of harsh here. Because what he's saying is that when it comes to the gospel, like close doesn't count. I had an eighth grade, uh, my eighth grade math teacher was a really eccentric teacher. So if you ever saw, ever, see Dead Poet Society? One of my favorite movies of all time. Love that movie, Dead Poet Society. And this guy was a lot like Robin Williams' character in Dead Poet Society. So he was always like jumping on desks and like had props all the time. And encouraged like a lot of engaging and interaction with the, the class, and and everything he said was like quotable. Like he had a one-liner for everything. If Twitter had been around back then, he would have had so many followers. We'd have been tweeting that guy all day. He always had something. And so he'd call us up, and he'd have us do on the board. Oftentimes, like these, you know, those long math problems, you know, where you're like working out all the different whatever. And one of the things that I remember about these math problems, and, and maybe you're there right now. I apologize if you're still there. You know. May God help you. But one of the frustrating things was, it's like, if you got one thing wrong, like way up here, you know, it just like changed everything. So it's like, you look back and you're like, the decimal point. Really, that's what it was, and it's all off. And so inevitably, somebody would always, like along the way, several people said along the course of the year, but somebody would say something to the course of, you know, come on, I got to get partial credit for that. Right? That was, I'm so, I was close. It's just a decimal point, you know? And he would always say, he'd say the same thing every time. He'd say, students... Only three things in this life count that are close, when they're close. Horseshoes, hand grenades, slow dancing with Evie. And so he'd always say that. So it was just like, oh my gosh. So we were like finishing his sentence, you know, by the end of the year. Right, but he had a, he had a policy. He was like, if it wasn't right on, it was wrong. And you weren't getting partial credit. And Paul is being kind of coming off harsh here because he's saying, look, when it comes to the gospel specifically, close doesn't count. And it's interesting because before we want to like you might be tempted to like, just write Paul off as like a religious fanatic, one of those guys who thinks like he's right and everybody else in the world is wrong. No grace, no flexibility. But Paul was really flexible on other stuff. Right? And so when it came to like, uh, evangelism and sharing faith, right, Paul, Paul was really flexible. Right? And he said, look, I've become all things to all men so that by all possible means I might save some. Right? And what he's saying is like, I'm willing to lay down personal preference. Right? And this can take a lot of different shapes. There's a lot of flexibility. Right, Romans 14, he says the same thing about kind of Christian lifestyle. He says, look, in the church, believers, when you guys are together, would you love enough, each other enough, to not take your own personal little conviction and try to make it a law for everybody else? Like, love each other better than that. That's not required. He's saying, be flexible. Right, so there's certain areas where Paul is really flexible. When it comes to the gospel specifically, this is one thing where Paul says, close doesn't count. You can't jack with the gospel. You start adding to, to grace, and you no longer have grace. It's not the same message. It's a different gospel altogether. He's, he's really, really 
almost harsh about this, it seems. But in the very next verse, I think we get a hint as to, as to why. And in verse 7, he says, look, evidently some people are throwing you into confusion and perverting the gospel of Christ. Evidently, people are, some people are throwing you into confusion and they're perverting the gospel of Christ. And so he's saying, look, you guys, when you add to the gospel, you are changing the message entirely. Not only, not only are you abandoning the one who created you and who has offered you grace. You're doing that. But in the process, he says, you're actually perverting the gospel itself. And the word that he uses here is very, very interesting. Because the word that's in our Bible that's translated perverted literally means to reverse. Right, what he's saying is that the gospel is, is reversed when you add to it, when you jack with it, when you change it. The power is sucked out of it. Right, instead of freeing us to love, to rest, to, to just embrace grace and live in that, is we sign up for something completely different. We sign back up for slavery. We sign back up for it. The very thing that was meant to, the very thing that was meant to, to, to heal us, to save us, to free us, becomes the very thing that enslaves us again. Changes entirely. Right? If you think about it, right, the, the, the result really, what I often see as a pastor when this happens, is like a roller coaster spirituality where people are either up or down and they're just like all over the place. Right, and you get people oftentimes to err on one of two things. Right, because like when we do grace and, it's really appealing sometimes. Right, because grace is kind of like this big idea, isn't it? It's like, man, I didn't earn it. I, I didn't deserve it. I, I don't feel like I deserve it. I screw up all the time. I can't get my hands around grace. I can't control grace. Right, but when you add to it things like reading your Bible, praying every day, going to church, serving the poor, getting connected in a life group, Right? Those are things that we can control, right? Those are things that we can measure. Those are ways that we can actually compare ourselves to other people to feel good about ourselves. Right? Which is often what, what people tend to do. It's interesting, you know, like I, I, have a, I have coffee and beer a lot of times with people that, you know, we don't, we don't agree on everything under the sun and we see things differently. Um, you know, my good buddy Brian, you know, atheist, uh, love the guy to death. But it's interesting, like in sitting down with, with, my, with those people, I've never sat down with somebody who said, you know, I, I'm perfect. Right? I, I never screw up. I've never hurt anybody. I, I make the right choice all the time. Right? I've never sat with somebody who isn't willing to say, in some way, in some ways, uh, I, do, I do fall short. I, I've made some mistakes. But that being said, I've also, almost every single one of them that I sit with also believe that they're a good person. Right, so if God is like judging on, on a curve, right, even though we're willing to admit that we're not perfect, most people feel that in the end, compared to most people, they're generally good. Right, watch the news, read about all this crazy, screwed up stuff going on all over the world. It's like, well, I'm not that. Right, and so when you start comparing each other, comparing ourselves to one another, and we add to the message of grace, on one end, the result is often pride. Because we can actually measure ourselves against other people. So when you feel good about how you're doing, it's pride. And religious people can be the worst at this, can't they? Can't we? Right? But when we feel like we're not cutting it, and we feel like we're falling short, and that we don't measure up, then what is the result? It's guilt and it's shame. Right? Ironically, the very things that Jesus came to free us from, and yet we sign right back up for it, the moment that we change it, 
the very thing that we think is going to heal us, the very thing that was meant to heal us and save us becomes the very thing that destroys us. In 1982 in Chicagoland, there was a, uh, there was a young man, relatively young man, uh, in his 30s, walked into a convenience store and he bought a, a bottle of extra tank Tylenol. Went home, took some, and the next day uh, they found his body. He was dead. He had a, cl- a full, clean bill of health. There wasn't anything wrong with him. And upon doing uh, the coroner, uh, doing the aut- autopsy, they found that there was potassium cyanide uh, in his system. And it took a while to catch on what was going on. Uh, this continued to happen all over the Chicago area. People were walking in, uh, buying extra strength Tylenol, and taking some and being found dead the next day. And eventually, police figured out what was going on. And what had happened is somebody was going into the convenience stores and buying extra-strength Tylenol, and then they were going home and very carefully removing the lid to the bottle, taking out the cotton, opening up some of the, cap- the caplets, and taking out the acetaminophen and putting in potassium cyanide, and then putting those pills back in there, the cotton back in there, the lid back on there, and putting them back on the shelf in the convenience stores. All right, now these people had gone in to, because they had the flu or they weren't feeling well, thinking they were buying extra strength Tylenol. But the very thing that, they, that was meant to heal them and make them feel better was the very thing that ended up that killed them. And Paul is giving us a very similar imagery here to when we jack with the message of the gospel. Is that when we add to it, it literally changes the composition. Anytime that it is grace plus anything, Grace, you've got to earn this. Grace, you've got to keep this going. You know, grace, you've got to be a good religious Christian. Grace, you've got to anything. You fundamentally change the message of the gospel. And now he's saying it's not the gospel anymore. It's something completely different. And you're signing up. We sign up for a life that is just, we will be left. I promise you this. You do that, you will be left destitute in pride, in guilt, or in shame. Right? Instead, Paul says, it is grace. And it is grace only. Right? Don't you dare put a comma where God has put a period. And we keep wanting to do this in a religious circles all the time. Right? Buddha, I've, I've shared this before, Buddha's last words. Right? Where accomplish your aim with all diligence. Keep after it. Work. Go get it. Accomplish your aim with all diligence. In Jesus' final words, it is finished. It is done. You bring nothing to the table. In unspiritual terms, it's like when it comes to your acceptance before God, God is saying, You bring nothing to the table. In this equation, you don't contribute anything. It is grace and grace alone. Ephesians 2, verses 8 and 9 says this. It says, for it is by grace. It is by grace you have been saved. This is not of yourselves. In case you missed it, it is only a gift of God so that no one can boast. It is grace, period. Grace, period. This is one of those things like, we fight for and we are, we are unapologetic about at Mosaic. That it is just about grace. It is not grace and anything. It is just grace. And I don't know about you, but if you grew up in church, like, like Mosaic kids, this is one of the things, like for my favorite is seeing like how this impacts our kids and how different it is than what I was raised in. Because if you grew up in Sunday school, I bet I'm not the only one experiencing this. Like in Sunday school, right, what I was taught is like it was very like guilt-based you know, it's like, you better get this right, kids, because Jesus watches everything. You know what I mean? You're like, oh, geez, he's always over my shoulder. 
Right? It was very guilt-based, you know? It's like, good boys and girls don't do that. You know, it's, which is totally opposite of saying, you're not a good boy or a good girl, and God loves you anyway. Right? Completely different. Or performance-based, you know? It's like, good Christians do this. You know, and you're just like, from the moment you start, you're set up for failure and discouragement. You know what I mean? And then we just, oftentimes in churches, it's just like we just reinforce this as they get older. You know, it's just like you just get layering on the guilt, which is the opposite of what Paul is doing here. So one of my favorite lessons, I remember when Libby shared with me, she said, I'm so pumped about our lesson this week. The lesson from Mosaic Kids is God loves you even when you're naughty, which I love. Like that is the gospel. That is the gospel. You are naughty and God still loves you. God loves you even when you're naughty. And I love that. And so so it's interesting because she was raised in like a very similar environment to, to what I was raised in. Very guilt-based, shame-based, performance-oriented. And so like every time, I love, what I love about Libby is every time she's reading, like she gets curriculum that's passed her like all the time. I think she's got somebody in her life who's always pushing this kind of just Christian crap at her. It's not very Christian at all, really. And she's reading it, and the moment she picks up just a, even a hint of shame-based curriculum, or fear-based, guilt-based curriculum. She has like a visceral reaction to it. So she's like confessing to me recently. She's like, so this book was given to me and I'm reading it and it's all of that, that guilt-based, shame-based crap. And she said, I just went, oh, and she chucked it across the room. <laughs> and she was like confessing it. And I was like, oh, Libby, I'm, I'm so thankful that you are the director of our kids' ministry. You keep chucking books to the glory of God. Because right, we're not going to put up with that crap here. That is not the gospel. It's not the gospel. It is God loves you, period. It is, yeah, you're a failure in the past, and God loves you, period. Oh, by the way, you'll be a failure in the future and fall short, and God loves you, period. That grace, those second chances, never stop coming. You understand that? Like that, that that's the gospel. It is a second chance. It just keeps coming. Not when you fail to become super Christian. Because you're going to fail at that. That's not the expectation. And I'm telling you, you, you marinate on this. You just, just knock it off for a while. And just rest in grace. This will change your life. It will. It'll change your life. There's no place for shame in Christianity. There's no place for shame in the gospel. Right, you, let, you just marinate on this. It'll change your life. But I'm telling you, you try to change your life to earn grace or to prove to God that the grace he gave you was, was worth it. And now you're going to earn that. It will tear you apart. And Paul is saying, don't do it. Don't do it. Religion will always try to do that. There will always be churches that try to do that. He says, it will eat you alive. That is not the gospel. The gospel is grace period. So this morning, as we begin this, continue this series and begin to dig into this book, this amazing book that is all about the gospel and it is all about God's second chance that he offers us in Jesus. Let's do a little self-reflection here, okay? Right, for you, what, what, what's the lie that you've been buying into? What's that grace end that you just can't live up to and it's eating you alive? Because you still think that that's what God, what God requires for you to be okay with him. What book are you reading out of that you need to drop kick across the room to the glory of God this morning? 
What is that? What's that book? It's not the gospel. I'll tell you that much. And Paul would tell you, it's not a gospel at all. Oh, now, Aaron, hold on a second. Aren't you giving a little too much freedom here? Isn't that too much grace? I don't know. Ask God. I don't think so. Right? The gospel is just grace, baby. Well, Aaron, God, aren't you just giving people a little too much slack? Aren't people just going to be like Christians run wild around here? I hope so. It's better than the guilt-based, shame-based, performance-based, right? Just lack of joy that I see way too much of. I would love to see Christians gone wild on grace. I would love to see what God does in a community of people that can just let go and knock it off. You know, who can live out of the freedom and the joy of just being accepted just as you are, not as you should be. Because that is the message of the second chance. That is the message of grace. It's not grace and, it is grace, period. So I'm telling you, man, would you hear anybody say, well, it's grace and dot, 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 you run. When you pick up somebody saying, no, it's grace, but dot, 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 man, you run. You can blame it on me. Tell them your pastor told you you can't talk to them anymore. <laughs> if they have a problem, they can email me. It's brian at mosaiclincoln.com. <laughs> I'm going to keep using that joke, just so you know. All right, we, we, are, we are people of the second chance. And it's not a second chance that you've ever earned. And it's not a second chance you will, will ever earn. It's one that you don't deserve. But it's a second chance that keeps on coming and keeps on coming and keeps on coming. If grace is an ocean, we're all sinking. Man, let the, let the waves of grace slam you to the ocean floor. Just stop and rest and rejoice and see if it doesn't change your life. I think you'd be surprised. And by the way, if this is a message that you have never just thrown your hands up and accepted, what Jesus has done on the cross for you, what he offers you, the second chance at life that is offered you. Right? It's a standing offer. It's a standing offer. And if you've never done that, I invite you to do that with me this morning. So if you would close your eyes and, and bow your heads, you've got to know this particular second chance begins not with you making any promises to God about cleaning your, your life up or what's left of it. It is simply placing your life into Jesus' hands. It is throwing your hands up and letting yourself sink in grace. And it is offered to you not because you are a good person and not because you will ever be a great, wonderful person. While that might be true, it is because God, God is that good, not you. And so if you want to make that step this morning, it begins simply with a prayer of surrender and saying, Dear Lord, Jesus, I throw my hands up. I confess that I am broken and I need help, that I am a sinner and that I need your forgiveness. I need your grace. So would you give that to me even though I don't deserve it? Thank you for what you did on the cross for me. You need to know if you prayed that prayer, you're covered in it, you're smothered in it, and nobody can take it away from you. And it's not contingent on the life you live here forward. 
If you made that decision for the first time, we'd love to know and help you take some first steps of living in that grace. Lord God, I pray for us as a community, as Mosaic Lincoln. Lord, help us to be a community of the second chance, a people of the second chance. God, my dream, my prayer, is that as imperfectly as we will do it, that as your people, like the land of misfit toys, people in need of grace, Lord, that we would come to be marked by grace and grace alone, not a grace and, just grace. My prayer, my dream, Lord, would be years from now that in Lincoln, Nebraska, when somebody hits rock bottom, when somebody needs help, when somebody needs grace, when somebody thinks that they have screwed up so much that God could never love them, never accept them, that this would be the place that they think of going for help. Because they know that this people, the people of that church, are a people of the second chance. That they are a people marked by grace, transformed by grace. Imperfect, but loved by a perfect God. May that be so. Smother us in grace. Lord, I pray for those in this room who have such a hard time buying this. They know what's in the past. Either the sin or what they think is righteousness. And if there's pride there, Lord, I ask that you would smash that with your mighty hand. Replace that heart of stone with a heart of flesh that is marked by grace and love for a city who desperately needs Jesus. May we come to know that, yes, we are more broken, we are more sinful than we ever could have thought, but wow, we are more loved than we ever could have dreamed. May that be the defining characteristic of us. So, Lord God, we give you what we have. We accept your gift of grace as imperfectly as we will. And we ask that you would wreck us with it. We thank you, Lord, for second chance after second chance after second chance.